war with you and you're not ready to fight. So in the meantime of me training you how to fight, I'm going to fight for you. See, there is a grace for the people of God, but sometimes we become dependent upon the grace instead of growing up. See, most of us, and Paul addresses this in the New Testament, says, I showed back up and I expected you to be mature in your faith and you're still babes in Christ. See, there is a moment of grace where God wants to make sure that you uh, persevere and continue down a path that eventually is going to get more difficult. Because what happens is, is they get distracted and they start looking at the wrong cloud. Because we know the story, the Egyptian army, Pharaoh sends the Egyptian army to kill them all. And now you've got 600 chariots and the best of soldiers now pursuing a million people that are nothing but slaves and have no weapons. And they are stirring up a cloud of dust coming from behind them. And the people of Israel start looking behind them, seeing the cloud that is behind them, instead of focusing upon the faith of the cloud that is in front of them. And they start to talk like slaves. Oh my goodness, what have we done? Let's go back. We, we were better off. We're going to die out here. It's going to be something that's going to kill us. Let's go back. And I am so thankful that God really doesn't care a lot about how you feel. You ever notice that when he has to tell you the truth about you, he's not ever worried like we are. I'm worried about hurting your feelings. You know, God never is. He just tells you the truth. And I love what scripture says next. They, they were talking like, slaves. let's just go back. We're afraid we're going to get killed. And he says, will you please just be quiet? Quit talking. You're talking like slaves, forgetting that. I got you out of Egypt. It wasn't by your hand that you're here, but it's by my hand that you're here. And you're forgetting because you've seen a few horses and a few chariots kick up a cloud of dust. And you're forgetting that there's a cloud ahead of you. So quit talking and I'm going to fight for you. He said, the only thing I want you to do is quit speaking and move forward to the Red Sea. He tells Moses, stretch out your, your hand with the stick. And we know the story, the Red Sea dries up. And they walk through on dry ground and then the Red Sea comes back up on top of the Egyptian army that's pursuing them and kills them all. And now there's no more pursuer. They finally have victory. And they're standing on the opposite side of the, this Red Sea, a million people strong. And Moses starts to identify himself as what God has already known and now is being brought to our attention of what kind of leader this man really is. See, good leaders aren't just courageous people that are allowing themselves to be put in harm's way like our veterans that we honored earlier in the service. They are willing to put themselves in harm's way on battlefields to preserve our freedom. But good leaders don't start as generals. Any good leader, if you're willing to follow them, don't find out how, how well they fight. Find out how good they worship. Because don't you forget that God did not go tell Moses to go tell Pharaoh to let my people go so they could go be in a land flowing with milk and honey, the land of promise. No, that was a covenant between Abraham and God. God was going to fulfill his covenant at the same time, but he told him to go tell Pharaoh, let my people go so they could worship. See, worship was a purpose in this whole thing. Is identifying the presence and the power of God. So now Moses, this great leader that has led the people, held the stick and now has a, a form of writing instrument and he is now pinning a song. He is writing a song. 
See, great leaders, guys, I'm going to have to get a little rough with you this morning. I got rough with first service men. Now I'm going to get rough with you because you're the one that say it. Say it all the time. And sometimes we got to correct some of the misunderstandings of Scripture. Do I believe that God has a role for you to play in your family? Yes, Pastor. I, do you believe that? Yes, I do. And are we supposed to be the head of the household, the priest of the home? Yes, but you're not supposed to lead by title. You're supposed to lead by example. Because if you're having to tell people that you're in charge, you're really not in charge. But if you're leading by the servant's heart of being one that will get alongside of someone and walk with them. See, what happens is, is that everybody wants those under them in submission to follow them recklessly and faithfully. But you have to earn trust. It isn't just given. Can somebody say amen? Well, pastor, how do I become the head of my house? Become the priest of your home. And the priest's responsibility is lead your family in worship. If they see a man that's... I'm, I'm going to give you the secret, guys, to success in your marriage right now. If they see a man pursuing the heart of God through prayer and worship, they will not hesitate wanting to follow that guy because they know you're not trying to do it on your own, but he's with you. Quit trying to quote the Bible and telling them, you do what I say because the Bible says I'm the head of the house. Worship and lead them in worship. Get everybody in the presence of God. And you won't have to say that no more. Ooh, that's good stuff right there. That's just because when he was writing this song, right in the middle of, of like the second course, he remembers who they really are. See, a lot of times we want our freedom, but we have to be identified with something, a banner, a flag, something that identifies us now as a corporate unified people. See, Moses, in writing the song, gets to a place that says, I want to acknowledge who he is and where he's brought us from and where he's taken us to. And I want to fall under the banner of the purchased people. Those that have been bought. You say, well, pastor, what's that sound like in the song? It sounds like this in Exodus 15. Terror and dread fall upon them. He's talking about the enemies of God. He just witnessed the Egyptian army being destroyed. He says, because of the greatness of your arm, talking about the sovereign hand of God, they are still as stone till, till your people, O oh Lord, pass till the people pass by whom you have purchased. He said they couldn't come and get us because you stood between us. The cloud left from being in front of us stood behind us as the waters separated and kept, they had to stand like statues and watch us move to our freedom because you are such a God. But then when you got us to a safe place, you let them go into harm's way and found that the, they found themselves at the bottom. And we want to identify ourselves as the purchased people. Paul reiterates this in the first uh, in New Testament in first Corinthians says, or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit within you whom you have from God? You are not your own for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. I don't want to be on my own. I, I find that there's these two passages are connected by the blood of the lamb. The, Egypt, uh, the Israelites were freed from Egyptian bondage by placing the blood of a sacrificial Passover lamb over the doorposts of their homes. But I have a better lamb. It is the lamb of God. His name is Jesus. He went to a cross and shed his blood and I am now identified. I don't want to be David Pleasant, a man's man. I want to be David Pleasant, a man after God's heart. Can somebody say amen? Because once you lead your family into worship, ladies, here's your part. You didn't quite, I never mess with y'all. You ever notice that? Say amen, man. Yeah. 
always, but when we are producing the type of leadership you will want to follow, all of a sudden, worship gets contagious. Because by the time you get to verse 3, ladies are picking up tambourines and they're taking it one step further. They're saying, Moses, all he could do is write it and start the song, but we know how to sing and dance. <laughs> That's good stuff there too. Anybody, I mean, those close to me have seen me dance. Aren't you glad that Shell probably would be better at that? But they're worshiping because worship and leadership is contagious. And all of a sudden now, everybody is involved. And not just the general, not just the guy with the title. But now the whole nation is coming before the Lord and celebrating a great victory. And I want to stop here for a moment and identify what worship really is and what it's really not. Because I'm not going to probably get to the bitter pool. I don't probably, I'm not going to probably have the time to do that. We'll pick up when I get back. But what is worship? Worship never was about you. But you receive a benefit from worshiping. See, we thought that the song was sung for our enjoyment or our entertainment. Oh, no. Because if we stop with entertainment and enjoyment, we're going to stop at the frailty of our humanity. See, worship was never about you or the style or the, the statements that you like to hear because we can't sing it to you. Because as I've identified, you don't have the power to get me out. But if it becomes about him, see, I'm now at a new place. It's a coin toss now. If the Lord should tarry and I have to perish by the way of the grave, I do not want my last breath to be telling my family that I love them. You say, Pastor, that's harsh. No, I want to do that all of my life. I don't want to wait to the end for them to, be know, that, for them to know that I love them. I want every day of my life and my actions to tell them I love them. I want to gather them the day before I die and tell them that I love them if I have to be in a place where I'm becoming weak in my body. I, I, I don't really enjoy the thought of dying sick. But should that happen, I pray this request. I want the clarity of my mind at the end. Because those that love me the most, I want to gather them closest to me. And I don't want to whisper in their ear, I love you. I want them, I, it's a coin toss now. It could, when they get close enough to hear what I'm rattling, I want them to hear something like, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. I want to start quoting Psalms 34, but there's a close runner up. I may just go over to Psalms 103 because it's the blueprint to worship that says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Did, you, did the saints of God catch that? It didn't say, Bless me, God. It said, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Now I've got the one that I'm singing to's attention. Now I know his faithfulness to his word says, Where any two or three gather together in his name. There I know that he says, Where any Anybody will worship and praise me. I will inhabit the place in which they inhabit. See, the benefit of worship is not the quality of my music. It's not the quality of my instrumentation. The value of my worship is that it brings me in proximity to the one that I am worshiping. I can have the best musicians in town. And if it's only about the instrumentation and the, uh, and the execution, I don't want us to do it poorly, by no means. I, I, everybody say, we enjoy a standard of excellence. Say amen. amen. 
but I don't have some of their talent. And I need the God that I am singing to to be faithful to his word, whether I'm with you or with those that can accompany me to make me sound better. That's why some folks need to sing in the choir, not in a microphone, because they sound good with a bunch of people. That's me. I need a choir. I need to be up there in that crowd. They had to fight me from going. If I didn't have to go to practice, I'd probably be in the choir. (laughs) It seems like a lot of you fall in that same category. (laughs) But I want to know as I'm driving. See, my day yesterday started coming to the understanding that a dear sister at Citygate had went on to be with the Lord the night before. So I'm running to the the house where where she had passed and her husband was inhabiting because I needed to go there to tell him, you ain't walking this thing alone. She has upgraded. She got her healing. But I needed to worship on the way because I want to know what happens to your song. And when I get to finish this message one day, we're going to get to the understanding because they had to walk three days in a desert because Moses had to make them leave the moment of feel good. Your worship will make you feel good. But if your song doesn't end when you go on your journey, I hope that your worship doesn't stop when you leave this building. Because if it stops when you leave this building, you got to wait till next Sunday when we open up the door. But if your mouth is open with praise during your Tuesday night, nightmare of a day, and you can call upon the name of the Lord and start to open up your heart and your mind and your mouth with worship, he will come there too. See, I needed to know I had a God that would get in the truck with me and go where nobody else wanted to go. And then my day got better. Then I went to a funeral that I had to officiate. Another bitter moment. Yeah, watching a family come in. Lady was only like 49 years old. Dear sister of the church. Been with us since CCM. Her daughter was here. She's probably here now. Bitter moment. But the song doesn't... See... Worship, if it's not about you, it's not based upon the information you get on the day. Miss Bobby, I'm fixing to preach for you and with you right now. I'm just going to close this outline up because I'm fixing to go. We're fixing to go somewhere here and then we're going to pray for a minute and I'll finish this sermon later. See, Pastor Gray got the word that his mom had cancer Tuesday morning before staff meeting. I could tell it kind of shook him. He was mad, actually. Not at the fact that she had cancer. I mean, that would make me mad and probably, he's more holy than I am. He's more saved. <laughs> and that's the truth. He knows it. He, <laughs> that's, that's not new news. He is far more sanctified than I am. Because, he was mad because the way in which she was conveyed the information was a process which made her hear the information alone. And I said, you got to do something. You in charge here. And I had two choices. I had to look at him and say, I'm in charge here. Like we do sometimes at our house and say, I'm the head of this place and let's go. No, it wasn't that. I said, wait a minute. We got to remember where, who, what cloud we're following. And then I brought him in here and I had a word of encouragement with him. And then I preached this first part of this message to our staff because I knew he was here. And so was Bruce. And they needed to hear about God that the song doesn't have to end when it gets a little more difficult. When the waters turn bitter, he's still God enough worthy of our song. So when we come in, I wish I had it staged, but it just happened to be the sovereign hand of God. All of a sudden, we pray from 9 to 9.30, and he comes in, and here's the song playing. And the song playing was like, he'll do it again. He'll move the mountains. He moved them one time. He'll move them again. He'll do this, and he did it again, and all of his stuff. He grabbed hold of that thing. I thought it was my preaching. 
he grabbed hold of, of that song and the Holy Spirit and went to the hospital room. See, it's one thing when your song stops because of the day. See, I'm going to be one to clarify for you right now. There are days that you will live that you will that, that your worship will want to diminish based upon the day. Or the information you receive during that day. But if he is who he says he is, and our song was never about us to begin with, and our worship was really never about us, but putting us in proximity to where he is, then it doesn't matter if the day is worth it, or the information I've heard is worth my emotional up, uprising of joy, because sometimes I got to sing when I'm sad. Sometimes I got to grab hold and say, you know what, the day is, uh, well, I, I need to be careful here. The day is shot in the head. But he is still worthy of praise. The information I have received up until this point has made me get sadder by the minute. But the one thing I do know that is stable, he is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And he was worth my song in the joy. He is worth my song in the trial. Because, see, he got done to him what he did to me. He goes in and preaches my message. It ain't mine, it's God's. Let me rephrase. And he thinks he's making headway with his mom and decides, I'm going to lead us in prayer. He starts to pray. In the midst of his prayer, he hears noise. See, it's one thing when it's your mom that has cancer. It's another thing when it's you. See, that's a big difference. Both of them are sad. <laughs> but the noise he was hearing kept on until he realized while he was praying, she was singing. He'll do it again. He moved the mountain then. He'll move it now. Now, when you got the worship of a heart that just heard that your, your time may be coming to a close and you've got the wherewithal within you to know that he is, whether you have one more minute or 10 more years or a hundred more years, he is worthy of the song in the moment. And he's the only one that will bring peace to the moment. And here he is praying his heart out, believing God for miracles. And she's talking about her faith. He'll do it again. He'll move the mountains. See, the family that I went from the house to the, to the sanctuary yesterday, another bitter moment, they walked in this way. All of them, I standing here, me and Pastor Gray, he went somewhere and I had to go find him. And he weird is like this, and they're just walking in and they come up to the casket and they say their final farewells and they're, they're bidding adieu. It's a sad moment. And then they're sitting where the family's reserved and, and they're like, man, this is bitter water. It's, it doesn't taste good and I don't feel like singing today. Yeah, and then I preached Jesus the champion and 10 of their family raised their hands and said, I want to get saved today. See, when you're walking through something and you're willing not to go back to where you came from and you stay in the bitter moment long enough and realize who he is before. If he was worthy of the song when she was alive, he's still worthy after he's, she's passed. Because I got to say, you don't have to be sad for her. She got a new body. But she wants to know, are you coming? See, I want to know what happens to the song in the midst of the mess. I want to know when everything is identifying failure and shortcoming and you better get stuff in order. I can't get my life in order. I'm not capable of, of controlling the chaos. 
but I know one that can. I know one that can speak to storms and, and winds have to stop and waves have to diminish. I want to be that one where they, if they ever had to come give me a bad news that I have a wherewithal like a saint of God to say, let me sing again. He will do it again. Where's your worship? Where's your song when, it, when you don't feel like singing? Where is it? Because he hasn't diminished. Because when worship is not about you and about him, it puts you into proximity to the faithfulness of his word because he shows up. My dad preached a message years and years ago. And he said this statement in the middle of the message. If you will worship, he will come. And in his presence is the provision for everything you will ever need. We're going to open these altars up in just a moment. Maybe you're walking through a bitter time. And you remember what it was like when you were singing the songs of victory. But you've been three days in a desert now, and you're thirsty, and you're dry. You know, God never cured their thirst of their flesh. He would cause water to come from rocks, and they'd get thirsty again and need another miracle for water. Because He wanted them to realize this truth. Your flesh will never be satisfied. It can't be satisfied with pleasures of this world. You can't make enough money to get your your flesh satisfied. You'll always want more. But he tells a woman in John chapter 4, he says, I can be water that will satisfy your soul. That you never have to drink again. So if you're unsettled here today, walking through the trial of your life, it may be an act of you coming out of that seat to the front just as an act of worship. Worship isn't just music. Sometimes it's just putting one foot in front of the other. Remember, God, I don't know what else to do and don't know where else to go, but that preacher told me if, that you're here. And if you're here and I can symbolize me coming to you by walking down an aisle, I'll walk down an aisle to sing to you because you're worthy of my song. I'm going to pray. And then Amy's going to lead us in worship. Matter of fact, JJ, just so we don't cause chaos, we better get the ministry team up because when we start worshiping, we're going to get in the presence of God and people may need to come forward. So if I can just get the ministry team just to come up. Because there's no telling what will happen when we start worshiping. When we start worshiping, marriages may be healed. When we start worshiping, people may be healed. When we start worshiping, people may start to get saved. Delivered, set free, chains broken. Who knows what will happen if we just begin to worship. Father, today, the songs we sang were not for the ears of the entertainment. It was not for any person standing in the fellowship of someone else in a building. We were worshiping because you are worthy.
And it didn't matter if we were having a good day or a bad day, you were still the same. Worthy of all of our praise. And so, Father, it is not about me, but now it is all about you. These songs are not for my pleasure, but they are for yours. And Father, it is you in which I live and breathe and have my being. It is in you that I understand my purpose and my fulfillment. It is in you that I sing my song. Because when I sing my song, you show up. And when you show up, I may need a healing, but I didn't sing to get healed. But it is a benefit that I got in the presence of an almighty God that is a healer. And so while I'm in your presence, just take care of everything that I need. I'm not going to focus on my needs. I'm going to focus on yours. I want to spend the time telling you how wonderful you are. Not because you need to hear it. Because your ego needs to be fed. But because it's the honest truth. And the faith of who I depend upon. So Father it is in you that we lift up this ovation of praise. And I give you the praise, honor, and glory in Jesus' name. With this congregation, you can't, I do not want you worship sitting down today. Stand as long as you can. Stay as long as you can. Pray as long as you need to. Get your breakthrough today. God bless you. Amy, would you please lead us in the presence of the Lord?